0: The mission of Purple Heart Homes is to see that every veteran has a safe place to call home. Our guest today is Brad Borders, and he thinks he can help in that mission by climbing 10,000 feet in elevation on his bike over 64 miles. How that's connected and how this Army chaplain is hitting on service before self, strength of purpose, and community impact on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Brad Borders, welcome to Pick Up the Six podcast.
1: Hey, thanks, Brian. Glad to be here.
0: Man, it is good to, to see you, to connect with you, to hear your voice, and to introduce you to our listeners here on Pick Up the Six. As I'm thinking about people I know and love and respect that, and start ticking those boxes of service before self, strength of purpose, community impact, my friend, you are darn near at the top of that list. So it's great well, for that's us humbling. to meet you and hear you. <laughs>
1: that's humbling first yeah, and foremost so well. the most
0: amazing thing about you is you're an Appalachian State guy and I am I know. that alone gets you some billing on yeah
1: we beat Michigan <laughs> <laughs>
0: we were we were reminiscing before we hit the record button the podcast about that fateful day
1: glory days all baby the
0: joy it's brought us for all these years and all the free beers I've gotten across Columbus Ohio, <laughs> and across America for being the guys that went in and beat Michigan
1: I was, telling, I was saying that every time I meet somebody from Michigan that went to the big blue, they go, yeah, where'd you go to school? And I went, I go App State. And they go, oh, yeah, that was how Lloyd Carr lost his job. Uh, usually,
0: yeah. that, usually I look at him and I say, I don't want to tell you this, but I yeah. am going to enjoy telling you this.
1: But, but I'm going to, yeah. yeah. It's fan, so, fantastic. So
0: Brad Borders is a kid from North Carolina, goes to Appalachian State, but ends up in the... Army Reserve and ends up as a chaplain in the Army Reserve. In fact, 18 years in the Army Reserve as a chaplain in a variety of units that include the 3rd Special Forces Group and an instructor in the U.S. Army Chaplain Center and School. So how do you get from a kid growing up in North Carolina to the Army Reserves and chaplain life?
1: It's a long, circuitous story, but I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. It begins uh, really uh, with a dad who instilled, my dad was a Navy guy, um, and uh, always grew up just kind of wanting to be an Army man, right, playing Army in the woods. Um, after I got out of App, uh, my my intent was, you know, as a young 21-year-old was to go to OCS and be a Marine Corps mm-hmm. officer, infantry officer. That's what I wanted to do. And, um, but I had had some entanglements with some gentlemen with badges. And, uh, and so when the recruiter said, yeah, if you've got any, uh, infractions like that, we're not going to take you. And so I kind of gave up on the idea. Um, and I I guess the other, uh, so, but, uh, but the dream never left me. I I just remember as a kid, my dad, uh, watching the green berets with my Mm. dad, uh, with John Wayne on the back porch, shelling beans. Uh, on a little black and white TV. And my dad, you know, just kind of birthing in me a little bit of a dream saying, Hey, you know, maybe you can do something like that someday. And, and, uh, so, uh, you know, in 1994, I was a young married guy, was kind of lost and drifting, trying to figure life out. Uh, had really no spiritual grounding. Um, and, uh, my wife and I were uh, married a couple years, uh, no, no real, no real direction in life, but just, um, uh, man encountered um, uh, the gospel message
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and um uh, met jesus personally and uh, transformed my life uh into a, a meandering wandering uh person who's tossed by the wind or the waves uh into someone who then just saw the kingdom of god as, mm-hmm. as as my sole purpose uh in life and so that led me into ministry seminary you know became a became a pastor uh and then you know of course we had we had an event called 9-11 that happened and I kind of wrecked all of our worlds. So we were trying to figure life out there. Uh, what, what did that mean? But I remember laying in bed at night thinking, you know, I got to do something, man. I'm, you know, but at a time after 9-11, I was, you know, 36, getting to be 37. You're, uh, you know, not as young as you used to be. Um, uh, it's going to be hard to be an infantry guy, but I did find myself at a recruiter's office and they told me I was too old at the time because of, the cutoff was 36 and, and, uh, but they said, Hey, there's, uh, there's a waiver for guys that want to be chaplains. Hmm. Um, you know, what do you, you know, they had asked me what I did on the civilian side. And and I was a carpenter and a, and a pastor. And, and so, um, I was like, what's a chaplain. They were like, the recruiter was like, you know, Father Mulcahy from MASH. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. And, uh, so, you know, Hey, next thing I knew, I found myself, uh, uh you know it took a year and a half had to have a bunch of waivers for uh, past injuries I had a couple ACL tears and that kind of thing as being an athlete and, and uh um found myself at uh you know officer basic course at Fort Jackson with a bunch of other folks that wanted to be chaplains in the middle of uh, early days of the war um and um and then uh um next thing I know I'm mobilized and serving units, and everybody, it was lotty-dottie, everybody was going somewhere, you know, and uh, uh, deployed to Iraq um, with a civil affairs unit, and uh, then I began to serve, uh, after that, began to serve in the Special Forces world uh, for about seven years, uh, off and on with uh, 3rd and 10th Special Forces group, and uh, kind of defining, I was probably the defining years of my Army career as as, uh, what Kind of where I cut my teeth, and you know the the most amount of trauma that I saw and felt, and and uh, saw in the lives of others through through loss of life and injury, and and um, just. Um, but then also, too, you know, in that community, there's uh, such a, a sense of purpose and mission, and mm-hmm. and care of your your, your uh, fellow teammate. Mm-hmm um i served with some amazing amazing people that um um were selfless right kind of the things yep. that you talk about uh self you know service before self and um just that that kind of got you know rooted down in me um and, and it wasn't about like you know strategic america stuff it was about you know the team mm-hmm. right? and uh, brotherhood and and uh so uh um yeah man and and just had a had an awesome time doing that I got I've got two more years left in the reserves so I'm going to finish out my career as a chaplain for a a bunch of doctors evidently down at Fort Bragg so uh, I'll be doing in my reserve duty with them and and in a couple years I'll I'll hang the boots and the uniform up so
0: I want to talk more about those experiences and and that real uh pressure of having to help pick up the six during these incredibly strenuous times also interesting about the doctor thing i want to come back to that too but take me back to to brad who's having entanglements with johnny law could he he have imagined what this man uh yeah no
1: no be
0: asked to do (laughs) and what and what the creator really put on your heart and asked you to do that i mean that's what ultimately happened here right That, that that message yeah went into your ear traveled down into your heart and he brought it to you at a time where you likely needed it the most without even possibly seeking it out which is incredible so take me back to to, to brad who's getting himself in trouble and boy, yeah. what, what would you tell him if you had a chance
1: yeah well i, I would tell him uh not to give up um uh, that there's uh that better things are coming um and that there's restoration waiting um I was, uh, you know, we deal a lot with folks that are self-destructive uh, in the military. Sometimes folks' response to trauma, um, you know, tends to lead to depression and and uh, self-destructive ideations. And 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 as we know, there's a there's been a suicide epidemic over mm-hmm. the last fifteen years of service members taking their own lives. And in fact, in the in the soft community, uh, the rate is even higher after folks get out uh, than it is in the in the regular army. And and um, you know, that was, uh, that was a place where I was, man, I was a self-destructive guy. Um, um had thought about suicide many times. Um, and, uh, um, you know, um, uh, I, life was, uh, life was dark, you know, uh, it was, uh, life was fueled by a lot of, a lot of alcohol and substances and, and things that were killing me and I didn't even know it. And, uh, uh, but you know, I think it, I think it's rooted in, right. It's rooted into the transformative nature of, the, of God's work in my life, because I think, um, where, where it roots back to me is, is, uh, you know, man, I just was afraid of dying when I was a little mm. kid, uh, we had a lady that took care of us that fell over dead in front of me, um, of a heart attack on my living room floor. And I remember watching the folks come in with an ambulance and taking her out as a five or six year old. And, and, uh, I remember being afraid that that was going to happen to me and and uh, you know when you're a teenager and you're still afraid of that you know you're getting on 17 18 19 you're still afraid of that you go out and you know tip up a bottle or you know ingest something it takes that it takes that away for a little while but it but it's always there in the morning you know and um, uh, you know when when um, uh, when I had uh, you know for lack of a better term an, an epiphany moment with a, with a, with an encounter with a with a god who's real um, and experience forgiveness, uh, experienced forgiveness, uh, experienced unconditional love for the first time in my life um, in a real way uh, from from the God who made me. Uh, it also took away a lot of my fear in life, you know, and, and uh, uh, I became um, quite unafraid of a lot of things uh, because I realized uh, who held the future for me. So...
0: I'll tell you, brother, um, to touch on that faith component a little bit. And so folks know, can hear from your words, how you're wired. One thing that, you know, that has resonated with me over the last few years and walking through my own faith journey is a line out of a song. uh, And it says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Right. Uh, And so Roger that. Hear you loud. In
1: Christ Christ alone.
0: In Christ alone. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, the pressures of, one, uh, being in the Army, being in the Army Reserves, going off on a deployment, has pressure and stress alone. To be a chaplain sent into deployment, into war zone, what is that like? To be be shouldered with picking up the six for those who are going to go out there and do hard, tough things. Sometimes we ask them to do dangerous things, um, stuff that you wouldn't ask other people to have to do. Yeah. What's what is that life like if our listeners like you know I, I got an idea of what the army and i've seen movies, but the chaplain's a different perspective so what's that life like
1: yeah it's a it's a little weird uh you know uh it's not like conventional ministry um it's unconventional uh um you know you're um there, there's a tendency you know you can become there's a couple of different kind of chaplains that you can be uh you can be kind of the hua chaplain that that wants to that is kind of like a, I would call it an infantryman or a Green Beret in disguise. And, and that's really what you aspire to be. And, and that was really, it's not really what I wanted to do. Um, um, or, or you can be uh, kind of the um, um, manifest presence, you know, there's just the presence, a visual reminder that, that God exists um, through, through just being with people uh, at, in some very difficult and dark days. Um, you know, just a quick uh, story. It just kind of sums it up for me. Is that I got back off of my R and uh, over back over to Iraq, and and I was pretty miserable because I, I I didn't want to come back. I, I wanted to be home with my family. You know, you're away for six, six months at a time, and then you get two weeks, and it's no fun coming back to the war zone. And uh, about an hour after I got back, um, there was a knock at my door. I had been tasked with covering the combat surgical hospital at the, the Fort operating base. I was working on because their chaplain was out on a mission somewhere. And so got a knock at the door and well, one of my soldiers like, Hey sir, it's a mass, cal, mass, mass casualty event that's gone on and they need you at the hospital. And so got in my hootie truck and drove down the hospital and Saw a bunch of hel- medevac helicopters coming in. I was like, "Oh, this is not good." It's gonna be bad. Yep. I fully expected, you know, and just it, my expectations for what I was about to see was uh, that I was expecting to see a lot of uh, injured soldiers and and uh, you know wounds and you know all that. And when I got in there, there were there were no soldiers. It was all civilians. It was all Iraqi civilians. It was women and children and men and families. And a guy had walked into a market, um, and you know. Yanked a cord on a suicide vest where it was people were just shopping, you know, just shopping, buying their food, and and so I don't know how many were in there. It was, you know, dozen, mm-hmm. dozen, fifteen patients, uh, and uh, I felt, you know, I was like, you know, I'm not, look, I'm not medically trained. Um, I don't know what to do with with someone's going to cardiac arrest or he's got a gap, you know, sucking chest wound or you know head laceration. I don't know what to do with that, and and so. I just, um, began to walk around. All I knew to do was pray and I felt useless. I felt like I was taking up good air. Um, and, uh, the, the the crisis event uh, was about two three hours long and provide medical care and doctors and nurses were amazing. I would just pray for them and pray for the kids that were injured and wounded. And, you know, after it was all over all those, those doctors and nurses, they saved all those people's lives. No one died. And, uh, um, and I remember thinking, uh, I looked down on the floor, and there was just a little bit of, like, some blood on the floor, right? You know, and I was like, okay, here's something I could do. I can clean that up, right? So I just kind of got down on my knees and grabbed some disinfectant and a rag, and I started cleaning it up, and I felt this hand on my shoulder. And, um, you know, I mean, you got to understand, I just felt useless the whole time, right? And I felt this hand on my shoulder, and it was, it was, uh, it was one of the nurses, um, and she just said, Hey, uh, we were just talking about how, how glad we were that you were here tonight. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, what yeah. you know, are you talking? Uh, are you me? Talking? You know, I'm looking, I'm trying to look for the surgeon who saved right. people's lives. You know, it's like, you mean that guy, right? And I was like, what did I do? I was like, I didn't do anything. She's like, no, you just being here, let us know that God was with us. You mm. just felt comforted just because you were here. Right. That, that's no special skill on my part. Right. That." That's not. I don't have a. I don't have a talent for, or writing, or reading, or speaking, or you know, none of those things had to come to bear on that. I was just there, is all it was. And and that's really, I think, for me, for the experience as a chaplain, uh, that's what it's about. You know, uh, for me, it's just being with soldiers, and that's at all echelons, right? That that is that's to include the that is to include the special forces group commander that is burdened because now he's got to go out and speak at a funeral and he doesn't know what to say. And he needs, he needs his chaplain to help him read his notes and just listen to him or or, or, the, or the grieving widow just found out that her, that her husband that, that she's loved for 10 years and the father of her three kids is not coming home, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, it's just being present with people, you know, and, and uh, that's really what all, and all of ministry is all about that. It's just about being the manifest presence of a living God mm-hmm. um, in, in the lives of other in, in just It's what Jesus did, right? You know, he he came in human form and became like us so that we could see what God looked like. Because everything God ever wanted to say about Himself is summed up in the person and work of Jesus.
0: You know? It's incredible, man. It's incredible. Yeah. And there's a there's such an amazing. Lesson in all of that to in that moment. uh, And I agree with everything you've said is that you just you leaned into it you were there right and so yeah. and so be there guys you're listening. Be there. I need some strength of purpose in this moment just just be there. Be there yeah. for your family be there for your co workers be there for your community just just lean in and be there and in that on that event. You were there, and it brought that love, yeah. peace and comfort. To I'll them. have
1: people call me, man. You know, when they've got a crisis in their life, and they go, "Hey, you've done this before. What? What do I say? What do I say to make it better for this family?" And I'm like, "I can't. Nothing. You, yeah. There's nothing you can say, but showing up will say a lot. Showing up says everything. You know. There's no words. What words? What words have I got that's gonna? It's gonna make it better when when a young lady." not going to have her husband home. What what words have I got that's going to change? That? I don't have any word, but I got, but I, but I can, I can hug her and I can, and the other thing is I can go get her a glass of water. Mm. She might be thirsty. Right? <laughs> it's just little, right. It's just little things, you know? And, yeah. uh, so, uh yeah, I think that, that sums it up for me.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, man, uh, our listeners are going to hear this. They're going to be they're going to be thinking about you. They're going to be praying for you. It sounds like this next final chapter of your Army career here is going to be around picking up the six for these doctors. So you talk I know. about, I'm about I think, it. I'm excited about it. Think about what this, I mean, yeah, dude, what this last year has been like in the stress that yeah. they've been under. I can only imagine.
1: Yeah. I am. I'm excited about doing it. It's going to be something uh, uh, completely different that I've that I've ever done for these last two years. I'll, I'll just get to devote my time. I'm very fortunate to be able to do this, it's, it's, at, a, it's at a battalion level uh, job. So uh, I'm not at a strategic level. I don't have to think big picture. I just get to take care of people. And uh, that's a really that's a really cool thing to be able to do uh, for that's the amazing. last two years of your career. Not a lot of people get to do that. Um, perhaps if I had done better in my army schooling, I would have gotten promoted to Colonel and they would have put me in some highfalutin job somewhere. But because I didn't do that, now I just get to hang out with soldiers and, and doctors now.
0: So. <laughs> and take care of people, and take, take care, care of people, of people which That's is amazing. Right. So that that leads us to your role in this organization called Purple Heart Homes, yeah. and that is all about taking care of people. It's all yeah. about ensuring that our veterans have what they need to find home and and to be able to either afford it or find it and be empowered by what that home. Can mean. I want to talk a little bit about your role there and then this 10,000 foot of elevation bike ride climb you got coming up as we record today and yeah. we'll release this a little bit later down the road. I know you're preparing for a 200-mile bike ride to help some veterans yeah. as well, but tell me a little bit about what Purple Heart Purple Heart Homes is and yeah. uh, what the mission's all about. What are you guys doing there?
1: Yeah, so a uh, little quick history. Purple Heart Homes is a 501c3 based out of Statesville, North Carolina, uh, founded by two uh, National Guard guys, uh, John Galena and Dale Beatty uh, were uh, young kids over in Iraq, found themselves over there. They were in their mid-20s uh, back in 2004. Uh, they were in a six-truck convoy. They were in the last truck. They drove over a double-stack Chinese anti-tank mine, uh, and um, um, yeah, Dale lost both of his legs. John um, uh, had a traumatic brain injury, back injuries, and uh uh, Dale was evacuated. They saved Dale's life. He was bleeding pretty bad. They, they evacuated him out of theater. And uh, um, you know, 15 months later, he comes home on two metal legs uh, and finds out that the home that he and his wife Belinda and their kids lived in was unsuitable for the injuries that he had. John, his buddy who was with him, was a contractor on the civilian side, organized um, churches and building supply places, contractors. Uh, civic groups, veterans groups, um, and they, they raised money, man. They built Dale a house, you know, and, uh, and the folks that came out and volunteered on it were, were part of our community. So was this huge community effort to take care of this wounded kid from Statesville, North Carolina. At the end of it, they kind of had a celebration and John and Dale were kind of out on the back porch, just having a, they were just kind of stunned and amazed at the people that come out. And one of the things that they saw was that the veterans that came out to volunteer, uh, for Dale, were all Vietnam veterans. They were all older, older veterans came out to help him. There were younger veterans too, but it was what was remarkable to them was the guys in their sixties were out uh, at that time. It was guys in their sixties now, those guys in their seventies. Uh, they they helped him, and uh, so they they began to ask the question: Who's taking care of those guys? And uh, that was really where the idea for Purple Heart Homes began. It's called Purple Heart Homes because they were usually awarded a Purple Heart, um, but. Um, It began with uh, reaching out and helping a Vietnam veteran here locally, uh, and and, uh, that was the first project in 2010. Um, And as of uh, as of yesterday, I think we're at 742 veteran projects uh, over the course of the last 11, almost 12 years. Um, And uh, so, uh, each and every day, we get uh, we grew from uh, you know. company that had no paid employees and and two guys just volunteering their time and really really paying their own money to do this to so, so now we have 32 employees we've done work in 40 states we have chapters from, from Alaska to Florida and uh, each and every day um, we get to talk to veterans and we get to we get to hear their stories and many of them were their last hope where they're they're calling us because they don't know what else to do and they've got a problem and if you think about a guy who's you're 40 years old and your house is awesome and you can work on it. You can take care of things and you got a job. But, then, but now fast forward 35 years and you're 75. And, um, and because of your time and service, you're in Vietnam or somewhere else. Now you're disabled, uh, perhaps. Uh, if you're in Vietnam, you got covered up with Agent Orange and you got Parkinson's disease and diabetes and a number of other uh, maladies that come along with that. And now you can't do anything and you're on a fixed income and now you have a catastrophic thing that happens to your house. And your house, that was once a sanctuary for peace and safety in your life, has now become a source of anxiety. And so you couple the fact that people went through trauma, maybe went through trauma in their time of service, they have some other trauma in their life, and now their home is no longer a place of safety and security, but now it's a place of trauma. Um, those are the folks that we get on the other end of the line, and we get to we get to alleviate that for them um, through the through the work of uh, some great employees and through the help of thousands of people who contribute to what we do.
0: It's amazing to me the way that things like this take shape and take life. You know, you talked about being in that trauma room after that explosion in Iraq and being there, just being present and leaning into that. These two men have this incredibly horrific thing that happens to them. They're bonded for life, Yeah. right? They're not both from the same hometown. John's there helping his friend through this process, right?
1: Like yeah.
0: it's bonded yeah. them forever. they, they, They lean into the moment, though. They lean into this moment of there are other guys that are going to need our help. And from that, this incredible organization is birthed. And and you're right. In the time span of 10, 11 years now, 742 veterans helped across all of these projects. We did an episode recently with Christy Lucas from an organization called Roots for Boots. They're out of the Hanover, Pennsylvania area. And Christy was a former principal who loved the the military and the Marines. And she leaned into a moment in her local community to help provide veterans in her community with, she provides them either ramps at their homes or or if they're disabled veterans, some Mm -hmm. uplift to their homes, something you guys might want to check out. And one of the things that she does, which is amazing, is she helps purchase them these specific sport track chairs. So a lot of the guys in her community, they're avid hunters, fishermen, they want to get outdoors. Well, if yeah. in their service to our nation, physically that's been taken away from them, these chairs are able to really get outdoors and do that. And so, but what she did is she leaned into that moment and she just poured her heart into it. And look what God has provided for those people there, similar to you guys yes. as well. And so it's it's amazing, right? It's amazing to be able to do that. Before we talk about this big bike ride and all these other things, these physical yeah. activities you found to help support your organization. While folks are hearing right now, let's just give them some info. If, they, if they're like, wow, Purple Heart Home sounds amazing. Where can they find more information? I know as the guy who's tasked with community outreach, you got to talk to to donors and community members yeah. and partners and all that. So if folks are listening now, before we talk about some of the ways that you're finding ways to get them now. where can they get some information, and
1: information? Yeah. Yeah. It's super easy. Uh, our website is P H H U S A dot Um, and they can go on there and they can find everything and find the history, the story, how to donate, how to get involved, how to volunteer, how to start a chapter, you know, uh, could be there listening, you know, somewhere in Kansas, right. You know, uh, it's the beauty of the internet. And so we can reach a lot of people that way. And, and, uh, so, uh, but that website's got everything they need to find on it. We're also ubiquitous on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, so you can find us on there as well. Um, and uh, uh, got a, I think we even got a Twitter handle. Cool, so, man. Cool. P, man. I think it's at P-H-H tweet. What at, we'll
0: do is, uh, as we love to do for our listeners, to ensure that that information can be consumed and leveraged uh, easily, we'll put all those links in the show notes and on our website, cool. pickupthesix.com on this episode's page. So you can grab all that, click right in there, go give some money to this organization because they're amazing. And if you're a veteran that's listening or a loved one of someone who's struggling, please reach out to our friends at Purple Heart Homes because they might possibly be able to help. Yeah,
1: we have Yeah, we have several different programs, right? For folks, uh, we have um, the home renovation program, right? With the critical uh, safety and accessibility needs. Um, we have a tiny home program where we're mm-hmm. constructing tiny homes now. Um, that's what our bike ride for tomorrow is to cap off some fundraising for a local uh, veteran that that uh, is living in a 12 by 18 storage building. And wow. uh, uh, so that's going to come to an end for him and his life is going to improve. Um, we have a rental program for for folks that uh, maybe a mortgage is not where they're at in life. But uh, we get, we take donated homes and we'll refurbish them and, uh, put, and, and rent those out at, at a reasonable rate uh, to veterans and then we have a home ownership program where we do the same thing with donated homes and we uh, allow uh, we can uh, get veterans into a 50% mortgage on those homes uh, so they can get basically wow. you know home for half price right so some some great opportunities out there for veterans that that uh, that we've developed over the
0: years beautiful all right so you live in the foothills of the Appalachian mountains you're down in Statesville North Carolina so not That's too right. far from making that ascent up to that great premier prestigious university so one of the one of the projects one of the events that you have to put a fundraiser around purple heart homes is this thing that you call take the hill and you're going to ride your bike 64 miles which by the way 64 miles on a bike ain't nothing to really scoff at right but in doing that you're going to ride 10,000 feet of elevation gain so that's a pretty challenging
1: bike ride.
0: it's not just an easy saturday in the saddle so tell us a little bit about that challenge yeah. and when when it's going to be what you're going to do and how folks can get tuned up
1: yeah we call it uh, completely stupid but not utterly pointless right. and uh um so uh it happens it, it's this year will be our second event so the second annual take that hill event happens october the 23rd of 2021 so uh, it's still about seven months out um actually it's seven months from today i think mm-hmm. and so training has already started um uh so Essentially what the event is built around is the idea in the military, there, there are hills that need to be taken. And uh, sometimes um, the hills in life that veterans face are no longer uh, physical hills, but they're uh, metaphorical hills, they're challenges in life. And so what we figured was, is that we could, we could ride a hill um, in honor of those veterans um, and then raise some money to support, uh, what we do to eliminate some of those Hills in their life. So we can take the hill for them. And, uh, so we picked 10,000 feet simply because as we were talking earlier, I've got some friends that fought on some pretty big mountains in Afghanistan. And most of those mountains over there are 10,000 feet high. And, uh, so we just picked that as a good round number and it's, it's a, it's a long arduous day. Uh, I've done it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why I'm doing it again, but evidently I'm going to. So, because uh, it's on the calendar, right? And uh, but it's actually what we do is we take uh, 15 to 20 riders. Um, we have uh, we have some veterans that are riding. Um, we have, I have some friends of mine that that I served with that are riding in it. And we also partnered with uh, another organization I'm very fond of. It's called Project Echelon, uh, which is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit uh, domestic pro elite cycling race team they are uh we have um these are these guys are um tour de france level athletes and they race all around the united states um and um they are partners with us on on take that hill um and they're gonna they send uh, four or five riders to come ride it with us i see those guys at the beginning of it and then i see them at the end but i i never ride with them right. right you know only if only if they're consenting to ride slow with me. Uh, but it's quite it's quite impressive to watch them watch them do that. And then this year is kind of a unique thing that's going on. Take That Hill has kind of uh, become the, uh, I guess the branded cycling partner of Purple Heart Homes and, and it's kind of expanded. I've had folks that, we've got a guy that we're talking to this week about doing a mountain bike version of it in Western North Carolina. Um, and then um, Project Echelon is connected up with an online um, training platform called rgt which is like zwift for those that that ride bikes they'll, they'll be very familiar with that rgt is going to help us uh produce a virtual take that hill event where folks can ride the exact course that we're riding but they can do it digitally online uh from their from the from the confines of their homes and so um, they're also going to provide there'll be a live broadcast this year with some professional broadcasters that'll 'll uh that'll talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it and we'll get to tell our story and project echelon will get to tell their story uh, it's 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 a really cool um, really cool event have a great time of year here in North carolina beautiful weather and and uh, we're just really excited about doing doing year two and and uh, turned out to be the best fundraiser uh, we had last year and we're hoping it'll uh, do the same this year.
0: But well, hard, hard to imagine the kid that, uh, was growing up in North Carolina, uh, running into problems at the law, could have <laughs> pictured himself. He'd been all the way down the road at this point, tackling yeah. these things, but that's the way life comes at you. And that's the way that's things right. happen. That's
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Grateful for it, man. Um, yeah, just, uh, uh, grateful, uh, got a great wife, 30 years and, uh, we're, uh, we're doing well. We've raised two good kids and and uh, our kids are, are uh, flying the nest on us. And um, we're looking forward to making a difference in this world. Uh, just me and her. <laughs> That's what it's all about.
0: That's what it's yeah. all
1: about. Matt, yeah. on
0: behalf of the listeners of Pickup Six, thank you for your service to our nation, uh, for the incredible work that you've done throughout your 18 years in the Army Reserves, this last chapter here. Uh, as well. Good luck throughout that and the incredible work you continue to do on behalf of Disabled Veterans with Purple Heart Homes. Brother, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Look forward to being back with you again sometime.